This episode of Control Alt Delete is brought to you by Braintree. Even the best mobile app won't work without the right payments API. That's where the Braintree V.0 SDK comes in. One amazingly simple integration gives you every way to pay. But don't take our word for it. Try out the sandbox and see for yourself at braintreepayments.com slash Walt. Hello, and welcome to Control Out Delete, the podcast designed to lock you into the Verge ecosystem. That is one of my favorite intros. It comes from Brian Menzi on Twitter. That's at M-E-N underscore Z. I am Neil Patel. I'm the Energy of the Verge, joined as always by my friend Walt Mossberg. Hey, Walt, how's this going? Uh, it, it's great, but I'm really, really upset that Brian Men- Menzi, is that his name? Yeah. Figured out our secret <laughs> plot. <laughs> yeah. Because when, when, when we merged our companies and started this, my job was to secretly create a narcotic verge <laughs> ecosystem you could never you break can never out leave. Of. And, and got... I feel like I'm making very good progress, but I didn't tell him about it. I don't I don't know. They're starting to eat I'm telling you, man, lock in fatigue is gonna be the story of twenty seventeen. Anyway, huge week this week. Yeah. Uh, something that we've huge. talked about forever, but I wanna say something to start. I'm gonna I'm gonna embarrass you. Walt, your first column in the Wall Street Journal was 25 years ago this week, uh, which is crazy. That's quite a run you've had, man. Thanks. Yeah, it it tends to coincide with being old, but thanks. <laughs> uh, no, I really, I have written a weekly tech column every week since 1991 uh, in various places. My, you know, most of them have been in the Wall Street Journal, but a lot of them have been on uh, websites I started, like uh, All Things D and, and Recode and now on a website you started, The Verge, and which I love uh, being associated with. And, uh, you know, other than vacations and um, a minor episode involving a heart attack in the 90s, <laughs> um, I, I've run it I've run it every week. And, uh, you know, some people hate it. Other people um, like it. I, I think slightly more people like it than hate it, which is good. I think my numbers are better than Trump's, but... Um, <laughs> You're doing better than 9%. Yeah, I think you're doing better than 9. <laughs> but however, uh it is when you when you when I, you know, I have I put it on the calendar just to remind myself, you know, what what the original date was and um <clears throat> it is 25 years and technology has moved a tremendous amount and uh but, you know, it still is too hard and a lot of and too unreliable. In a lot of ways, you know. Uh, I think it, uh, it, I think we hit a real, there's a real minute where it felt like it had gotten much easier to use. And yeah. I think we're out of that zone again, at least as far. It, everything well, is so much Well, I think every time we move on to new stuff, it goes back to being like command line pro-DOS or something. <laughs> you know, it's like... It's like it's like oh we 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 understand this iPhone and everybody knows how to use it and you don't need to you know tens of or hundreds of millions of people can use it without downloading extensions or having it crash a lot or worry you know and then the next stage happens you know then they they don't they screw up Siri and right. nobody trusts it and you can't use it and you know or or like. We're going to talk in a minute about a, a new Google phone, and it's something which I reviewed in Dieter Bone. Yeah. We got our, our, our Dieter shout-out in early this oh, yeah. week. We reviewed it, and we both liked it. And But I got a tweet from somebody saying um, – because I had said something about the colors and the photos being a little oversaturated and 
this person said, well, you go into developer mode and you set this <laughs> sRGB setting. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's just it's like my first column, which which was entirely about little utilities you could download that would make Windows, which was a nightmare <laughs> in 1991, work a little better. So I think, you know, when when things are leveled off and we bitch that there aren't any exciting new things happening, that's when it seems like we can all use it and it sort of works and, you know, our daily lives aren't interrupted. And then, boom, they, they move it, they change it, they try to improve it, whether, and by they, I mean all the companies, and then and then it all gets hard again and we remain employed. So yeah. it's a good... <laughs> It's yeah. a good thing. Explaining the cycles of simplicity to complexity. That's I, I, I like that frame. But I mean, I will say that something as simple as watching a video is now a much more complicated task than five years ago. Just the amount of places you can go and the amount of screens you can send it to. Something as simple, and we're, I think we're going to talk about this a lot in the show, is sending a message to someone is now a much more fragmented game than it used to be just because there's so many good options for doing it that so you have to have 10 messaging apps on your phone. Right. It's much easier places. than it was when I started in, in 1991. But you're right. It looked great and simple and easy five years ago. And now it looks like a mess, particularly on the Android side with messaging, which we can talk about. So that, that, that's a good let's, – let's just get into it. So Walt, you – as you said, you reviewed the Pixel – this week, Dieter reviewed it. Uh, I have one. I did not review it, although I've been playing with it nonstop. Uh, a couple other people. I think Vlad has one on our staff. So we, we have a lot of thoughts about the Pixel, but w w let's start with yours. What was your, your general take on this phone? Well, I mean, you know, I've been calling for a year for Google to make its own hardware and integrate it, and they did, and I think it showed. And, and I'm, the reason I think it showed is that they managed on their first try – uh, and there's a lot of confusion about whether it was their first try on Twitter, mostly from Apple fanboys. But it was their first try. It was the first time they really designed the hardware from the ground up and hired a fabricator, which happens to be HTC, which people have heard of. But exactly the role that Foxconn plays for Apple. Mm -hmm. They hired a fabricator to make it. And, and on the first try, they managed to land, uh, you know, Right around the bullseye, which is pretty impressive. They managed – and by the bullseye area, I mean they managed to land in the neighborhood occupied only by Apple and by the non-exploding phones from <laughs> Samsung. <laughs> and <laughs> the exploding ones are off the entire archery board. But yeah. I mean it's a miss if you do that one. But yeah. um, And in the four days that Dieter and I and others are – had to uh, really heavily test it. Um, it, uh, as far as I know, it didn't burn or explode, so that's good. And so I, I think it's such a low bar nowadays. I know, I know. I, I think the I think the conclusion that you have to reach, uh, even before you get into the phone's virtues or not, um, if you try it, and I think users will soon uh, find this out when they get their hands on them, is that. The duopoly that we have lived with in the quality phone area, which happens to also be the premium phone area, uh, the Apple-Samsung duopoly with, with Apple being everything it is and Samsung being the, the hardware representative of, of Android, that duopoly is over and it's now a, a three-way situation. And I think actually this Pixel phone and its, and its obvious initial quality success, 
is a great, great, it's like a dagger right at the heart of Samsung, yeah. particularly when you combine it with all the troubles they've had. And it's, you know, it's also a, a serious competitor to Apple, something we, we discussed a couple weeks ago. So, uh, you know, I think that's the, the most important bottom line. You can quibble about the camera exactly, but everyone... Like, I think Dieter liked the camera, and our camera shootout guys liked it a little better than I did, but just a little. I mean, it, the differences are very slight. Even our shootout concluded mm-hmm. that at the end. A lot of it has to do with your tastes and things, uh, and a lot of it has to do with whether you're looking at the picture on the Pixel phone, which happens to have an OLED screen, an AMOLED screen, which happens to lend itself to color saturation. Uh, or whether you're looking at it, I tried to look at it um, both. I did. I did uh, Pixel pictures and iPhone Seven pictures, not iPhone Seven Plus, which is a whole different camera. The best camera on a phone I've ever used. It's a dual camera. But I took pictures with those two phones. I looked at them on their own screens. I mm-hmm. looked at them on each other's screens, and I looked at them on a neutral screen, which was a Retina Mac display. Where they, by the way, they looked remarkably similar. Yeah. You, could, you would have a very hard time telling them apart on the Mac screen. So people feel like they've jumped right into a, to an area where their camera is going to be preferred by some people and going to be, you know, considered roughly equal to this great iPhone camera. And that's on their first try. They, it's fast. It's fluid. They did some software things with Android that have not been shared with their partners. Small things, four or five small things, but all of them added up to making it just feel more iPhone-like. Not, not that it works like the iPhone exactly, but in the sense that it just is just it's just smooth. Yeah. And I think, uh, and of course, it looks. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like an iPhone. Uh, it, it, they took a conservative design approach, so it feels good in the hand the way that I think the iPhone 7 uh, does. And I don't mean that they copied it, and, and they really didn't, particularly you can tell that once you turn it over. But, so I'm not saying anything negative, or I don't think there's any legal thing here, but... Well, I if there was, th- Apple will find it, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. But I, but I think they did a great job, and I think they're to be... They are to be commended, and this is just the start. And, of course, the most important thing is this is really a vessel for their AI assistant, which is called, in typical Google creative <laughs> creative naming, the assistant. It has – there are things that they readily admit it doesn't do, won't read your last email, uh, which Siri supposedly will, but my opinion experience often fails to. Uh, it won't read your last text, which Siri supposedly will, but in my experience often <laughs> fails to. <laughs> we just did a whole show on Siri. Poor I know. Siri. I'm not kidding. You know, well, look, yeah. see, Apple has only had five years to get this right. Yeah. Uh, and Google has had, you know, five months. Uh, that's not fair. That's not really fair. But, um, but Apple has had five years. So there are things it can't do. I mean, in my column, I I noted I asked it for the ingredients for apple pie, and it it left out apples, and that's (laughs) not a good thing. I mean, it's true that there was a web link presented to you after you got through listening to it, explain what went into apple pie. There was a web link, and if you clicked it there and read it, you would find that you needed apples, but then you might as well have searched the web, you know, with... So I, I actually find that really interesting. So uh, Dieter and I were 
have been playing with this thing. And there's two ways to get to Google on the home screen of the Pixel. One right. is the Assistant, and the other one is there's a Google logo. The G is at the top of the screen in a circle. Right. And you push that, and you get a Google search. Right. I. It's not clear to me why those things are different, although I understand that they are. But it's also wild to me that they have radically different capabilities. So if you ask the assistant, what song is this? It says, I can't do that yet. If you push the Google search button and say, what song is this? It listens and does a sh- like a Shazam-like right, look. because it has up. a Shazam capability built in, which, by the way, so does Siri. Sure, but it, that's not the assistant. That's Google I know. I, I completely it's, understand what you're saying. What's happening? And in my, uh, in my research for the column, one of the things you know, but I'll make sure I'll just mention this to listeners. Um, one of the things I always do is talk to the company mm-hmm. with questions and also to try to get background. And these talks are are never on the record, but um, I can tell you that the company's answer when I said, "Why do you have these two different things?" and "Why didn't you just kill Google now?" and type search is one thing, but they have the kind of proactive Google Now stuff, and they have the microphone so you can speak they have the you could say okay google that that i think once it's open it's kind of confusing uh and they said well there's a lot of people who are used to that and we didn't want to take that away and you know the assistant is new and i mean they they left me with the implication maybe i was reading them wrong that that will go away but they're not ready yet to take it away because they don't think their users are ready yet yeah, I mean, they, as, Google as the Now is a gets better, project that was, you know, it's a different riff on the same idea of the assistant, right? It was supposed to right. proactively show you things throughout the day. Yeah. And it just didn't happen. And then, you know, Apple well, built some well, proactive so features. It did. That, well, now, wait a minute. It, in my case, it, it, it showed me, it, you know, it said during the morning hours, it would say, if you left now, it would take you, very depressing, would say it'd take you an hour and 31 <laughs> minutes to get to work, stuff like that. And, and it would tell me, you know, how the Red Sox did, because they knows that's the team I, I like in baseball, and how the Patriots did, that's the team I like in football. Um, so it did those, th- and it told me a little news. And so, you know, right now it's a transition. I think they're living with both of them. But what I wanted to say about the assistant, and I did say this in my review, and I think it's really important, is they've done something which there are some very few circumstances where some of their competitors can do it. I don't think Alexa does it at all. At least I tried in several ways while doing this review to get Alexa to do it and couldn't. That's the Amazon one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is they remember the context of your question. And you can keep having a sort of conversation with it by asking follow-up questions in which you never have to repeat the topic, the general topic. And the example I, I used, but I had other ones, uh, was um, I started asking a bunch of questions about the state of Maryland, which is where I live. And I, uh, I started with, you know, what's the population of Maryland? told me the population of Maryland. And then I said, who's the governor? Mm-hmm. And it told me the governor of Maryland. And then I said, you know, what's the land area? Told me the land area. I said, what's the average household income? Told me that. What's the largest county? It told me that. Show me the state flag. It showed me the Maryland state flag. Um, and I asked a, another question or two. And I think I could have kept going for an hour. And it just never failed to remember that we were talking about 
Maryland. It did not, you know, and I, I said in the column that I tried it on Siri. I started with what's the population. It answered it perfectly uh, in voice and showed me a lovely Wikipedia article. And then I said, who's the governor? And um, it put up an article defining the term governor. <laughs> but, you know, once again, they've only had five years. So, um, uh, but this is a big deal for yeah. Google. Um, I understand there was a story yesterday or today that Microsoft's research department has come up with a new level of conversational awareness that it intends to build into, I assume, Cortana and some of its other products. But in terms of what's shipping out there, I'm unaware of anything that can do that. And that's pretty cool. Um, and by the way, I should stress, and I did note in the column, but maybe I didn't stress it enough, judging from some tweets I got, that it does many of the standard things. I mean, if you say play a certain song or launch a certain app or send a text or set a note or set a reminder, the Google Assistant on the Pixel will do the, the, those things. Um, I, it didn't fail to do those things for me. Yeah. Uh, so I was very impressed with the phone. And I was very impressed with the assistant, which does not mean it was perfect. Yeah, and I, I think that, to me, that's the, the thing. The, the two paths set up by this phone are they're tightly related to a, a thing that we should talk about in depth, which is obviously privacy. But the path set up by the phone is, you know, last week we were talking about Siri at length. And we were talking about how Siri is so good at stuff on the device. And Google is getting better and better at stuff out in the world when you talk to the assistant. And that, to me, is the path set up by the Pixel. Google has, for the first time, a hardware product that you know, has this one-to-one -one relationship between you and Google Search and what Google wants to do and what Google knows about you and what it can provide for you. And then on the Apple side, you, know, you have their commitment to privacy and their, their differential privacy scheme that says, we can be just as good at this without knowing any of your data. But how those two things actually play out over time, this is the first time that those two companies have really been in a head-to-head -head competition. You know, Google's not being mediated by Samsung or LG or Echo, which announced a phone today. They are in this direct relationship with you. And what Google can surface to you and what they can constantly show you. Can we pause for one second yeah. while I order my Leco phone? <laughs> the LePro 3? I'm, Who doesn't I, yeah. want a LePro 3? I want, I want one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got, we'll talk about that later. But there's there's a Chinese company called Leka, which is a huge company in China. I'm typing now. That had Keep a, talking. It had a major. Uh, <laughs> was that you ordering? Leko. Is there a Leko? <laughs> they had a huge press conference today, just before we started recording, to announce all the products in the U.S. And it was just, it was it was quite a scene. But we'll we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Anyway, about the Pixel, uh, it just sets up a world in which, fine, you can say the Pixel looks a lot like an iPhone. It acts a lot like an iPhone. But where it's going to go because of the assistant looks like a very different direction than where the iPhone might go yes, just because of Google's capability. And the thing to talk about that is is privacy. I'm glad you brought it up. I think it's extremely important. Um, as you know, both of us were very much on the side of um, Apple in the fight with the FBI. Uh, both, uh, And actually so was Google in a kind of, you know, they probably put out the weakest statement of any of the major tech companies. It was it was certainly pro-Apple, and they signed on to one of those amicus briefs. But, uh, you know, right here on the, on the new products, they broke a promise. I think we mentioned this last week. They had a promise that they, with their messaging product, Allo, A-L-L-O, they had a, a promise that they were not going to 
keep for a long period of time your messages and everybody kind of applauded when they said that at Google I.O. and then uh, when they had their last event to um, roll out the Pixel, they sort of said, oh, remember that promise? We're, we're yeah. breaking it. <laughs> we're breaking it. And and because it's important for us to, you know, build up our intelligence about you. And so uh, I, I think it's a perfectly, absolutely uh, legitimate choice to say, I'm going to trust that Apple's differential differential something system uh, is going to continue to protect my privacy and yet be smart. I personally, I think a lot of these what I call wider world questions, like mm-hmm. all those Maryland questions, have absolutely nothing to do with privacy. I mean, unless they want to deduce that I live in Maryland, which they already know anyway, because the phones know where they're located in the broadest sense. Uh and it wouldn't take much to figure out that I live in Maryland, even though I'm not actively telling that to Apple. And so I, I just don't think, you know, asking when is the presidential debate or uh, who's running who's running uh, for president or when does the World Series start uh, are questions that violate my privacy, except that I ask them. And mm. I trust that Apple... Uh, will not tell anybody that I asked them or even know that I asked them because everything on that phone is encrypted and everything going between the phone and the cloud is encrypted and Apple claims it doesn't have the, the, the keys to decrypt them. And, I, and, I, and Google's business is entirely the opposite. It was whether it's, whether it's for the purpose of selling advertising or the purpose of, of uh, crushing everybody else in, in AI. And so it's completely legitimate to say, okay, Mossberg, Google's better right now on some of these things, but it's much more important to me to keep my privacy. I think that's a fine argument. It's actually an argument that appeals to me personally. And, you know, it may well outweigh whatever uh, magic uh, Google can bring in, in, in terms of the assistant. Yeah, I mean, I think, but the the next step for the assistant, and this is, I think, when I play with the phone, the thing that jumps out at me is it, it's like you said, they're in the game. They put out a, a product, a first product that's at the caliber of their highest competition, and I think it's pretty one to one, right? The camera is just about as good uh, or better, depending on your taste. I think it really does come down to taste. The, you know, the apps are the third party Android apps. The volume of them is there. They're often a little worse or Yeah, I don't or... think the quality's quite there. I mean, I mentioned one example, uh, which was Slack, but there were a number of others. Facebook was a little... Right. I hadn't looked at Android Facebook in a while, and it's it's a little harder to get to certain things than, than on iOS. Mm-hmm. But, it, but what we're saying is it's a good phone. It's got some places where it's worse, some places where it's better, but it's a very competitive device, the iPhone. And I think yes. the, the, the success here is just doing that. But that is not a vision of the future, right? The, the big step was Google made its own phone. It's as good as its best competitor. And where that enables it to go appears to be a radically different direction than where Apple might go. And I think as I look at the assistant and I look at how much Google could know about me, it's starting to do that Google Now stuff in a much more focus direct way it's it's integrating it into the assistant so it's not just i ask it a question it tells me the answer it's i ask it a question it tells me some personalized answer like what are the ingredients for apple pie and it knows 
here are the apple pie recipes that you've looked at on the web in the past and that you might have saved or emailed to somebody because you wanted to make it and says, here are the, here are the ingredients for the apple pie recipe that you emailed to your wife. That is a thing that Apple cannot do because they won't allow themselves to know that information. But it's also creepy. It's I mean... Or it's useful. I mean, like, that's the, that's what Google's banking it's on. It's useful and creepy. Right. I mean, and that's possible to coexist. So it, it's really interesting the way you put this because I was just thinking while you were talking... In a way, their decision to become vertically integrated is 15 years late. When did they start? 98. So it's 18 years late. Or if you want to be charitable and talk about when they first brought out the first Android phone, it's you know it's eight years late. Apple has been doing it really since 1977. It's late. They figured out that the way you control these things, the way you 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 do the best you can, and that you put your fate in your own hands is to be integrated uh, and, and vertically integrated. And that's what they did. Apple was doing it, was just standing right out there doing it. And even Microsoft had started to do it, albeit, as we've discussed, it's a small side aspect of their business. So they're, they're, you could argue that they're late on that, but that they did it. I think they did it. And they said they did it because it was, in their mind, the way for them to further their main goal, which is this AI goal, this assistant goal. And so, you know, we're all impressed that they hit that that bullseye, but they're just at the beginning of the AI thing. And I think, I, I wonder whether they could say, look, if you will trust us, to put the stuff through an algorithm to help you, to remember the particular apple pie recipe, to remember that you live in Maryland or, or whatever. And if you'll trust us to do that and we promise that it will stay with us only for the purpose of this AI thing, it will be encrypted, um, only our algorithms will have access to it, not our humans, and by the way, we won't keep the decryption key at some point in the process. We'll never turn it over to the government or anybody. I mean, there's some construct you could imagine where maybe they could get the benefits of it and also at the same time at least promise much more protection. I think that might that might be not only might be better, it might be something they're going to have to get to at some point. Kind of only if the market demands it. I mean, I think that's the thing that we're going to have to see whether people like us who pay attention and care and are constantly telling our audiences, hey, there's a privacy debate in the tech industry and the two biggest, most important players are on way different sides of the fence. I think that's great and interesting, but it certainly hasn't kept anybody from using Gmail. It certainly doesn't keep anybody from using Google. And every time you type something into the Google search field, Google keeps that data. It knows it about you. It's built a profiler on that search. And I think we all agree that Google search is by far the best search engine. And part of the reason is because of Google's data. And I, whether that extends to now they're going to know everything that you say to, to your assistant on the phone or they're going to start integrating that data, I think that's where it gets creepy and that's where Google has to manage it. But up until now, history suggests that people are willing to trade privacy for convenience. And I... I I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting when and if there's an FBI case like Apple's involving them and they just fold like a cheap tent. Yeah, but I mean, again... Because, when... some, judge, because some judge says, hey, you've already admitted, you've already said, you know, 
here's our policy and it's not like Apple's policy. Yeah. And, you know, you so how can you now assert that you have to keep this private, you know? I think those kinds of things or or somebody does an ad campaign. Somebody with a lot of money and <laughs> very good at marketing decides <laughs> to do who want somebody who, for instance, once did for like three years straight a constant drumbeat of PC guy versus Mac guy. <laughs> Maybe that company could do privacy guy versus knowing I know everything guy. You know, uh, I, I don't I have that. Please don't uh, <laughs> listeners don't assume I'm telling you anything that I know. I don't know that. <laughs> But that would be really something. That would, that would be one be of the really most something. I mean, esoteric no, and high-minded ad campaigns in, in tech history. But it would be something. It would be interesting. So, you know, if it's all a matter of are more people aware and does that – what does that force Google to do? Yeah. And is there a way for them to keep doing uh, – to keep pushing forward on AI with, with uh, better privacy? Yeah. And is there a way for Apple – to do more. I, I personally, I believe, I'm, I'm completely convinced that if Apple uh, cared uh, about it, particularly these wider world questions, but also, I mean, I got to tell you, the on-phone stuff that Apple says it's most interested in fails too often. Yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, if, if I don't think it was a coincidence, I don't want to, I don't want to sound too self-important here, but I, I don't think it was a complete coincidence that I kicked off a little Siri uh, kerfuffle with a bunch of other articles written about it and a lot of social media stuff. It wasn't a coincidence that they chose to announce shortly thereafter that they had brought on board um, a Carnegie Mellon uh, AI expert uh, to mm -hmm. help them with with uh, Siri and all their other AI stuff. So, you know, they need to step up their game. The Pixel is good for consumers, as you and I like to say, whenever there's a, a strong competitor because it will push Apple several fronts. I think primarily on this assistant front, I think most of the other things on the phone are things, I mean, you know, Apple could decide if, if it's going to an OLED screen next year, it'll have poppier colors on the screen, just like Google does. And there are rumors that they're going to an OLED screen next year. There are rumors, rumors, yeah. listeners. Well, I, I got to uh, say the LCD on the 7 is incredible. It's the wide color. I mean, yeah, I, it, uh, it, 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 they got to looking at them side by side. The colors are definitely more saturated on the Pixel. And the LCD and the iPhone looks, the iPhone 7, not the other ones, the new one, the 7, looks amazing. But what is particularly stunning is the OLED just does black so well because it those pixels are really just off. It's such a deep black that the iPhone can look washed out next to the pixel. You'd see why they'd want to move to that display, but they they got to match the quality and the accuracy of the iPhone display. I think that's I think it's been much more challenging for them than it appears. No, I, I look. That's absolutely right. And one of my tests was I took some pictures in my garden. I'm not a great gardener, but I took some pictures in my garden. There are some flowers there. It is. Late October in the in the mid Atlantic, and the flowers are not at their peak. Mm -hmm. There are there are little you know wilty faded pieces on the edges and so forth. And I took a couple of different flowers, and boy, if you looked at them on the on the pixel screen, they looked perfect. It might as well have been May. <laughs> you looked at them on the iPhone Seven on its own screen, and or you looked at them side by side on the Mac. 
and uh, you could see that uh, actually even on the on the Google pictures they were um, you know you could see the truth they were they were lifelike they were yeah. they were fine but they were a little bit past their peak but the picture right on the OLED screen of the of of the Pixel phone. Uh, made them look, made it look just, it was very pleasing, yeah. that's the right word, but it wasn't accurate, actually. And there, there's a big uh, debate, right, and just in the world about pictures and whether they should be totally accurate or they should be pleasing. And I, the, there's a split. I'm sure everybody listening to this is railing about how they should be accurate because those are probably our listeners. But then you go out in the world and everyone's using Snapchat filters to make their themselves more beautiful. Right, like but that's sort literally of a choice. A Google filter. is not giving you that choice. They're sort they're sort of doing it. A- anyway, point is this is a this was a big week. Google uh, uh, is now really carrying the Android banner. Now, I say that fully expecting Samsung to continue to make good phones, but continue to try to do dumb software and frankly to be no longer fully trusted as a company. Yeah. I I, refu- I do not accept the idea that this stain on Samsung has to do with one phone model. I mean, you can go out on the street in your city, in my city, in any other city, uh, and talk to people, and large numbers of people do not make the distinction between the oh, Samsung no Note one. and the Samsung. So, you know, they're not dead and gone. They might make a little bit of a comeback, but it's their comeback. The path to their comeback is now blocked by their own uh, software supplier, which is something they knew was going to happen. Yeah. And so this was a big week. Google is in hardware. Google is in there's like gonna, we're getting other pieces of hardware which which are not secret, the Google Home, Amazon Echo competitor, the uh, Google home uh, mesh uh, Wi-Fi router network. These mm-hmm. things are coming. And that, and the, ma- the Google Home, um, you know, is another instantiation of the assistant. Yep. And if they get that right, and there's we don't know yet, but if they get it right, it will do a thing that Apple isn't able to do with Siri, which is have a voice assistant that is ubiquitous and is the same across devices. And I think that's very powerful. If you can talk, you know... At, ask your little connected speaker in your kitchen some question that is related to information that is otherwise on your phone, that creates a new class of interactions that so far, you know, the, the Alexa cannot do. I think but that's I, I, would add, I would argue that Apple has a little time, mm-hmm. not a lot of time, not forever, but they have a little time to do that. I would argue that the immediate threat posed by a good uh, Google Home, and we don't know if it's good, is to Amazon's, uh, uh, you know, ambitions. Amazon's Echo has been uh, widely reviewed. I don't think it's been widely purchased. I mean, I've seen analysts estimate of three to four million. uh, And just so listeners understand, there are about, I mean, in in a week quarter, there are 50 million iPhones sold. Yeah, they got a ways to go. In a quarter, in a quarter. And, 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 the Echo costs – it's not cheap, but it costs a lot less than an iPhone, and they've sold three or four million of them total, and they've been out, what, a year? Something yeah. like that? A little so, more, I think. A little um, more. So yeah, two years. Yeah, no, two years. That's right. So, you know, uh, the, the threat is – and they have a 1,000 people working on it. So uh, they're very, very serious about it. And so if Google's really good, it's a threat to them. So I want to switch gears 
just a little bit and talk about lock-in for one second. I've got your original HTC G1 review from yeah. October 15th, <laughs> 2008. It is headlined, Google Answers the iPhone, which is incredible. Uh, I'll just read the first paragraph. In the exciting new category of modern handheld computers, devices that sit in your pocket but are used more like a laptop than a traditional phone, there's so far only been one serious option, but that will all change on October 22nd when T-Mobile and Google bring out the G1. The first handheld computer that's in the same class is Apple's iPhone. I think it's fair to say that things developed much differently than we all expected when we first saw the G1. But the G1 was, you should go look at pictures of it. It was crazy. It had a slide-out screen that exposed a hardware keyboard. It had a giant cancerous tumor on the end of it. Yeah, it was a very strange device. But people liked it at its time. It was the thing that kicked off Android. Um, Android has obviously developed to be this dominant player in the market. The G1 was the first, the first of its class. But here's a line from this review, 2008. And I, it, just in this context, it's very interesting to me. Another downside for some users, the G1 is tightly tied to Google's online services. While you can use non-Google email and IM services, the only way you can get contacts and calendar items into the phone is to synchronize with Google's online calendar and contact services. In fact, you can't even use the G1 without a Google user ID and password. That is a is succinct a description of this is integrated and locked in to one ecosystem as has ever been written. In this case, it's being you wrote in 2008, you wrote of it as a negative. Now we're talking about the Pixel, which is literally designed to just fling Google at you as much as it can. We're talking yep. about that integration as a positive. And it's every single review I've read, you know, yours, Dieter's, across the industry, talks about, you know, this is as good as the iPhone. And many of them included a line that was, but if you have an iPhone and you don't want to leave iMessage, you're not going to leave. Dieter talked about that at length. I had that line in there, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I I had iMessage and there's another thing, iCloud shared photo libraries. Oh, right. Yeah, people love uh, those. Which, I mean, I, I have a granddaughter. I have, and, and, and every day I get a photo or a video of her. It could come on Google Photos, which last year put in a feature sort of similar to this. This is different than the feature where your phones get put up in the, where your pictures get put up in the cloud, uh, which, by the way, Google is, is doing in a way that's better and cheaper than Apple uh, on the Pixel. But this is a shared library where you, it's a, sort of your own little Facebook or Instagram. You can close it off to the rest of the world. It's truly private, at least on Apple. Nothing's truly private on Google as far <laughs> as I know. But it's it's truly private. And, and by the way, you could use Google's on the iPhone, which is another another issue I want to talk about in a second. But so I, there's about 10 of us or 12 of us, you know, that can see these, these baby pictures because my uh, – my, uh, uh, Kids don't want to put them on Facebook, mm-hmm. and it's a wonderful joy. If I switch my phone to the Pixel, and I ordered a Pixel for myself, by the way, yeah, but I don't, I don't know at the moment, and I don't think at the moment I'm going to make it my main phone because it doesn't have iMessage, and it doesn't have this this photo feature. Everyone would have to start using the Google Photo feature, and they're not, you know, these ten or twelve people are all on. Apple devices. They're all on iPhones or iPads or Macs or some combination of those. And so there's lock in there. 
uh, on those two things. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it's it's hugely uh, it's hugely important. Um, I would also say that Apple, which is supposed to be closed, is in a funny way open uh, on this score. Yes, they have lock-in. Google has its own lock-in. But <laughs> all the Google stuff runs on the iPhone. Even, yeah. I mean, if I could convince my whole family, particularly my, my, the parents of my granddaughter, to switch all the pictures over to Google Photo and I could conduct a tutorial to explain to all the aunts and uncles and other people how to use Google Photos, similar feature, which isn't quite as good, but it's almost as good. It's pretty good. It would work. Um, you could do it. They wouldn't have to go out and buy a, a Pixel or an Android phone because it's right there on the iPhone. Right. And that's the thing. You you like Cortana as an assistant by Microsoft? Guess what? It's on the <laughs> iPhone. You 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 like Allo, which by which is a, a messaging app, which by the way has the Google Assistant in it. It's on the iPhone, and in a funny way, this is partly Apple's fault. But I mean, Apple doesn't didn't put the iMessage. Didn't put iMessage and won't put iMessage on Android. And it won't put this shared photo stream thing on uh, on Android yeah. because those things keep people in the Apple ecosystem. So let me ask you, I think this is, to me, this is going to be one of the more important storylines of the next year is, do you think people are getting tired of the lock-in? I mean, they're starting to see it. Right. I mean, it, you can feel it that there's another thing out in the world that you might like that's competitive, but you're held back because this thing that you rely on. Just isn't you know, there. you sound just like a crooked Hillary supporter. <laughs> I mean, ser- seriously, you're like an elite. You elites yeah, are the right. ones who get tired of the lock in and call it the lock in. I prefer to call it. America being great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow, this took a turn, you, Walt. You know, <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. I, 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 yes, I think some very techie users who are very kind of conscious of these things, and a lot of them are our readers, um, yeah. uh, are are going to get tired of the lock-in. But honestly, when I think of the people that are looking at those baby pictures, mm-hmm. they all have iPhones. The iPhones are perfectly fine for everything they do or they sometimes are looking at them on an iPad where the picture often looks even better you know the right. little notification comes up that there's a new picture and they get very excited to see the new picture of their granddaughter or their niece and boom there she is right and there's a vi- or maybe it's a video maybe it's a photo what do, what do you think it takes to defeat that photos. level of lock-in like how much better does anything on the pixel have to be to defeat the iMessage photos lock-in well, there, there are two different things. The Photos one, uh, Google has, like I said, sort of matched it. They, they, Google Photos had a lot of nice things about it to begin with, just in terms of backing up your own photos and offering to make little collages and animations out of them. Apple's actually been in catch-up mode on that, and they have uh, recently done a catch-up on that part. Uh, Google uh, introduced some, but Apple was way ahead on this. They used to call them shared photo streams. Now they call it shared iCloud photo library. Ridiculous worsening of the name. But Google introduced something like that. So for so, what does it take on the photo side? It would take Google marketing that. Mm-hmm. Apple markets theirs. By the way, Google doesn't market that feature as much. And if they marketed a lot and got families to switch. Uh, to doing that, that would help. The other, but the messaging problem is a much worse problem for them because first of all, iMessage is really good in that it's across all your de- Apple devices. I mean, 
people with Android de- devices typically have Macs. They don't typically have Chromebooks, and uh, or maybe some of them have Windows computers. But point is, if you're an all-Apple device person, it doesn't matter what you happen to be using at the moment, what you happen to be near. What's the nearest Apple device? doesn't matter. If an iMessage comes in, it comes in. Mm-hmm. You can even arrange it so that a just plain regular SMS, when it comes in, comes in in the same app as the iMessage app comes in, whether it's on the phone, whether it's on the Mac, uh, whether it's on the iPad. And so you're always in touch by texting. Uh, and now they've added two things. One is they've added a bunch of features that people like, emojis and, you know, balloons. They even have an ad out now yeah. with real balloons. I mean, which is cool. something with lasers, Well, when, when I sent something with what? Lasers. That's my favorite one. I'll send you one later today. <laughs> uh, so it's not aimed at me, and it's not even aimed – I hate to tell you this. It's not even aimed at you. You're a little Damn old it. for it. It's Every aimed day. at a different – it's aimed at a different. Yeah. It's aimed at a Snapchat mark, kind of market, and so uh, they've added these things to iMessage. They've also opened an iMessage app store, and it's already got I don't know how many things in it, but I've at least seen a hundred of them or something. Yeah, that are a in lot. there that you can do. You can you can call an Uber right from there. You can you know order food. There's different things you can do, and there's many many packages of stickers and emojis and. Uh, uh, things like that that you can buy. So uh, iMessage is robust. That's the, that's a fair word for it. Mm-hmm. There's They handle huge numbers of messages a day. It doesn't, in my experience, it doesn't go down uh, very often. It's very reliable, which is unusual for an Apple cloud service. It does very well. And it distinguishes between you being an, an entitled Apple person and your friend being a sad person who only has an Android device or a Windows phone, maybe. Why? Because you are in blue. Yep. You and I would be on blue. The phones would, would detect that you had an iPhone and I had an iPhone or some other Apple device, Mac, whatever you were sending it from. And somebody else with an Android phone, their message would get through to me and I'd be able to get through to them. But first of all, without a lot of the effects and things you can do. And secondly, they're in green. They're a green person. Apple's even said that <laughs> yeah. on stage. What about those poor, sad green bubbles? Well, don't worry. We've brought them to the Mac or something <laughs> they said recently. So, you know, iMessage is a real strength. And I don't know what Google does about that. Google's situation is a mess. They introduced this Allo thing and they kept their – they have what do they have? They have Gchat. They have Hangouts. They, what, am I missing one? They have one uh, They other, have I Messenger think. or Messages. Oh, yeah. On certain Android phones, there, there's Messenger. The carrier puts a Messenger app on there. Only one of them can capture your actual SMS stream. Uh, it's, it's really screwed up. They've just got to double down on something. I'm surprised they haven't just gone all in on Allo. But, uh, yeah, I'm Again, really I was talking to, to our friend Dieter, who once again on the show, uh, and – you know his theory is they just have to they have to please the carriers they can't they can't hijack the carriers the way that apple can and i think having this phone now you know they're not again they're not being mediated with the carriers through samsung having this phone now gives them a lot of actual leverage in that relationship right if they have the other popular phone well i agree but why didn't they, particularly they gave an exclusive to verizon and there's a sort of out to that if you go through two or three steps in their Project Phi, 
But but if you go to a carrier store, you can only go to a Verizon carrier store to get this. That should have given them the leverage to say, you know what, Verizon, you're not putting your messaging app on this. Right. But my, Verizon's messaging app is on it. You don't have to use it, but it's and you can and you can delete it, which is good. But it's on there. Right. And so there, there's three. When I opened my Pixel and started testing it, there were three messaging apps on there. There was Messenger, which is what they put on in places where you know you just do F- SMS. That's the Android one. There was Message Plus or whatever Verizon calls theirs, <laughs> no. and then there was Allo. Yeah. And and I'm sure there's others you could download. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's crazy. Also, I love that Verizon got them to put Go90 on there. Everyone's favorite video service. I you know in success. the four in the four or five days I was using it, I don't think I ever touched the Go90 icon. <laughs> so. Um, my bad. So yeah, I mean, Google's in a mess, and I they just got to figure out how to get to all of the places in a way that Apple is definitely in all of the places, including here's a transition for you, the Mac. And while we were recording this just now, invites for an event next week came out. The invite is marked "Hello Again," which is a clear reference to the Mac. So October twenty seventh next week, Apple's holding an event that looks. Very much like it's going to be uh, new Macs, probably new MacBook Pros. That's all the rumors. But maybe we'll see some other stuff. And we have talked on this show a ton about the Mac lineup and how it's aging. Do you want to talk? Let's talk just five minutes to wrap the show on what's going on with Apple and this Mac. What do you you think is going to happen next week? Okay, so obviously the Mac is no longer the main product at Apple. But as I have occasionally reminded listeners, the Mac business, if you pulled it out of Apple would be about a $24 billion business, which would put it somewhere between, somewhere around 160 or 150, something like that on the Fortune 500. It's a gigantic business all by itself, even though it's a footnote. It's a really important business. And you might, depending where you live and, and, and what you do, you might never see many Macs, but in lots of places in the developed world, uh, in lots of professions, in lots of environments, college campuses, media newsrooms, the tech companies in Silicon Valley, including Google, you're just going to see Macs everywhere. And so the Mac is really an important product uh, for Apple. It's, um, I presume, a very profitable product. I think it still has an extraordinarily high share of the over $1,000 laptop market and PC market. But it's been a long time since they've updated them. And there's there's a couple of possible reasons for this. One is their focus on their main product, the iPhone, but an I think, and, and I think we've actually speculated on this in print in The Verge, um, I think one of uh, one problem was that Intel's last generation of processors, which other companies had trouble with, Apple just did not think was up to snuff, and so they skipped it. So they weren't able to give power bumps or speed bumps to their machines, as they often do. Mm -hmm. And I think they're also working on something radical. Now, to be fair, they did bring out a a new Mac, which we tend often to forget, but they brought out this little MacBook, which I know you like a lot. I like it less Mm because I don't like the keyboard very much. But, I mean, I like it in terms of its size and shape and all that, but um, it's very small. It's very light. Um, I, I don't think it's particularly uh, – it got more powerful because they did put a slightly more powerful chip in it, which is not this problem Intel chip I was referring to, which is which was called Skylake. And um, so, you know, people like our friend Dieter, who we'll mention again for the 
maybe a fourth time. <laughs> there might be a record this, on this, this show. It, there's a lot of Dieter on this. Um, <clears throat> he likes it, and you know, I respect Dieter. I just, I just have trouble uh, with the keyboard. So they did bring out a new Mac, but there are two main lines of Macs: the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro have not changed in uh, several years. And I think they're kind of abandoning the air. I don't think they're going to stop selling it because I imagine it's still selling. But um, I don't think they're doing a lot with it because I think the future of the smaller notebook is this new MacBook. Uh, It's not so new anymore, but the MacBook. Uh, However... The MacBook Pro is used, by, as, as the name implies, by pros. It's used by people who edit video and edit audio and, you know, just just people who want a little more oomph on the GPU and on other uh, other things than the MacBook Air can provide. It's the, the knock on it, I think, has been uh, for consumers just that it's more expensive and it's also been thicker and heavier. They took a step toward fixing that with the 13-inch retina uh, display one a couple of years ago now i want to say mm-hmm. eli um and uh, or 2015 so yeah i, I actually it, looked at the days the core design of the macbook pro is like 1500 days old it's ancient it's 2012 and they still sell that one yeah but that's the 15 inch one no the 13 inch the 13 inch pro they still sell the non-retina but that's display. the non-retina one right right, right? and then they They've updated that core design with the Retina display and the Force Touch trackpad, but the last time they updated that was 500 and some days ago. So this this thing is long in the tooth. The MacBook Pro is, from the rumors that we have seen, I take away the conclusion that there's a good possibility that it will be more powerful and yet that they will have, for the first time in a long time, redesigned the look and feel of it and actually made it make it made it thinner and lighter the real question is in doing that if that's true in doing that are they going to remove so many of the ports uh, because that's the role they're on uh, that that there'll be tremendous uh, uproar among the pro users who more than the average consumer do depend on those ports because they have a lot of external hard disks. Mm-hmm. They hang off these things. They use microphones. They use uh, uh, other things that a normal person doesn't necessarily use on their laptop. You know, it's funny. Uh, we've talked about the headphone jack on the show 10,000 times. Have we? Really? I can't recall it's, it's that. happened. Uh, <laughs> so I am actually like all in favor of all of the ports of the MacBook Pro being USB-C, as long as there's a lot of them. Because that's that's like a useful transition to have multiple multiple purpose ports on a pro machine. That's great because you know the Mac Pro I have now has what two USB ports, and sometimes I run out. Um, and you know I don't have the adapters for all the other ports to make them do the USB stuff. I would love to have a MacBook Pro with like multiple USB C ports, and the industries that are supported by those ports are going to adapt very quickly to the new connector. And actually get more powerful, and the peripherals will do more stuff. I think that's the sort of interconnect transition that is like very pro-consumer, right? You can charge your thing off this port. You can plug in the hard drive. You can... So, what would be enough ports? Because we know that on the MacBook, there's just a the small one. one I referred to. There's only one. So let's just count. So on, on on this one right now, I've got looking at my 15-inch Pro. It's about a year old. It's, yeah, I've got a 13-inch one. So I've got in what front of MagSafe me. power, two Thunderbolt, a USB, a headphone jack. And then on the other side, there's what SD card reader and another USB right. and an HDMI. That's a lot of ports, right? That's like eight. 
So yep. eight. That's my answer. Yeah, and the one I have <laughs> is much lighter than the one you have. Yeah. Because in addition to it being a smaller screen, they actually made it lighter at the time they did this. But And, and it still has all those ports you mentioned. I mean, I, I don't think Apple's going to put out a computer with eight USB-C ports, but I can tell you if they did, pros would rejoice. They, they would be... There would be parades in the street. What do they need? Three USB-C ports, which can, but we should explain to readers just for a second uh, without going into the weeds that a USB-C port can be used for data transfer. It can be used for video transfer. It can be used for audio transfer. For power. You can – power. The rumors I mean, are going to drop every, It just does everything. Yep. It, works, it works either way so you don't have to – even after 20 years, I'm never sure which way to put the USB in. <laughs> So all that stuff, uh, that and none of those problems exist. Right. So I, if they did, so if they four, had three of them, would three that be or four, good for you? I think that's that's like a reasonable start. Like you know, one because you need one for power. So the rumor is they're going to get rid of their MagSafe and go to USB C for power. So you, right. you, you, you've lost, which one is a little sad because I think the MagSafe I think it's was so a really smart invention by them that has saved people. It's the thing where the power cord just just separates from the computer when it gets knocked off a table and when you trip on the cord and therefore the cord flies away but the computer doesn't drop to the floor. Right. It's a great idea. It's, it, and I think they've even patented it because no one else has copied it. Right. Uh, well, it's it, also used in one other place, that same idea, which is deep fryers, which is my favorite. Oh, there you go. Deep, okay. deep fryers often have magnetic power cables because they don't want you to trip and spill the oil. Anyway, so look, you, you, you lose one to power and then you lose one to a display unless you have a hub. So I think you need at least four. That's that's I, I'm just, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe plus they'll just have one. A th- plus a three and a half millimeter plus, uh, yeah, audio I, jack. I, I, I strongly suspect they will retain the headphone jack on this device. So do I. Just be, but just, it would be for astonishing the pro if one, they maybe, didn't. You know, what if they put a lightning port in and said, we're just going to be consistent across everything and, you know, courage. <laughs> yeah, but what else would you plug? Then all they've done is made a different, less compatible headphone jack. The reason that you got lightning on the phone is because it's a multi-purpose But think how jack. good this would be for us. Think how good this would be for us if they did that with the audio uh, jack. Yeah, it would be great. I would, in terms of editorials just, for days. Just totally selfish, you know, <laughs> being able to write things, being able to rant on Control-Alt-Delete, it would oh, just yeah. be amazing. That's what, And that's really what I want Apple to do is give me fodder. But yeah. I, So I say, that, I say this. If they go to USB-C for power on all of their laptops, yeah. that is great. It means that... USB-C cables become the new de facto power cable. And then the only device in my life that doesn't plug in with USB-C is the iPhone and the iPad. And that is better than now when I travel with micro-USB, lightning, and a MagSafe charger. So there's baby steps. But it's funny, you know, I think a lot of... I've gotten a lot of tweets asking, are you going to freak out when they drop all the USB? It's like, no, this is the good transition. This is what you want. More... High power multifunction ports is good. Fewer ports that are less compatible are bad. It's pretty simple. Yeah. <laughs> pretty well, simple I, I agree with you. I just think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I love the MacBook Air. Yeah. I think it was a magical moment when that was introduced. And I think it, it was, I still stick by my feeling that it was the best uh, laptop ever made. Clearly, they're slowly abandoning it. And so I'm kind of hoping that, I mean, I'd be, I own a MacBook Pro. I'm using one right now that Fox Media owns for this podcast because uh, I'm in our studio in downtown DC. 
And uh, I also, but but the computer I travel with, the computer I write my columns on, the computer I do almost everything with is a MacBook Air, which is less powerful and has a less wonderful screen, but is just to me a, a perfect balance of ruggedness and power and lightness and thinness. And um, if they if they redesign the Pro in a way that it feels more portable and more stylish, and yet it's still a rob- really robust machine with a great screen and you know a good selection of ports, uh, I'd be fine. I really would be fine. Yeah. We haven't even talked about their rumor that they're going to do this OLED function bar. I think there's a lot more room in the... Yeah, inter- they are, and I'd be stunned if they didn't do that. Yeah. I really would be. There's been so many rumors... By the pe- by the usual suspects to whom they leak things, that I would be very surprised if we didn't see that. And that's just, you know, it's a little bit like the software keyboard uh, uh, on iPhones when it first came out. Uh, Steve Jobs made the point, which a lot of people forget now, that one of the great things about a software keyboard is it can change depending on what app you're in. Right. And we take that for granted now. Uh, uh, you know, there are some places where you're asked to enter a uh, like a two-factor authentication code and it's just all numbers. It just changes to all numbers. And if you had a software-based strip at the top instead of a function key row, uh, it could be any it, it would it could actually be linked in with what was going on on the screen of the computer. And that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be that would be a really good thing. Leno- I should point out that Lenovo tried this, but in a very uh, kind of uh, they were pretty fixed. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't. They, it was it was um, LED, but it wasn't smart. It wasn't intelligent. I would say. Yeah, you're talking the yoga book. Uh, I don't remember which model it was. It might have been. Uh, no, 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 no. Not the new yoga book. I, this was a couple of years ago. They they. Oh right, the a, two LCD screen one. I know what you're talking about. They had a laptop with a bar with a strip right there. Yeah. Uh, and it controlled functions, but it was really just, hey, we can do this with light up things uh, controlled by software. And but they but they didn't they didn't change, and you couldn't customize it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I I think there's just looking across Apple's lineup right now. The there's I think there's a lot of room to push the Mac every single one of those Macs forward. I don't think we're going to see iPads here, but I think there's yet more room for them to push the iPad forward. This is a Mac event, yeah. and I think it is in, not only a Mac event. I think this is an overwhelmingly MacBook Pro event. Yeah, same. that is that. I don't think we're going to see a new iMac, which is another computer that continues to just roll on, and and people who like uh, who like that uh, get it. Uh, I don't think, even though Microsoft is coming out with an all-in-one the same day, I, I don't think they're going to do a new iMac. I don't. I, I just think this is a MacBook Pro event overwhelmingly. Yeah, well, we'll see. So I'll be there. Dieter will be there. We'll see what's up. October 27th. It's going to be great. Right. Um, I think that's it for our show. We, we've, we've gone well over it, but it was a big week of news. There's a lot to talk about Big, big time. week. And we're going we're gonna to break past that lock-in. I will say, and just to <laughs> keep everybody updated on the status of this, Verge merch keeps rolling out. So just get ready around yeah, sometime I, in November. I, I proposed a, a, a new merch item just today. <laughs> Walt, Walt has been on it, let me tell you. <laughs> um, anyway, that's our show for today. Uh, thank you for listening. As always, we love your intros. Please tweet them at us. I am at Reckless. Walt is at, at Walt Mossberg. We love all of your comments. 
Uh, we just actually, I love how much feedback we get from our listeners. So keep keep talking to us. That's great. Uh, if you want more Verge audio experiences, I host the Vergecast with a rotating cast of characters, including the very famous Dieter Bone. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about his pixel review on that show. Chris Plant has what's tech which is wonderful it's you gotta listen to it it's, it's one of my favorites it's it's all it's deep dives into things that seem simple but but really aren't i really enjoy it. uh I lauren really good do. has too embarrassed to ask over on the recode oh my side. god kara swisher has recode decode and peter kafka here's at all in media which i am so i love this show has recode media uh where he just talks to important interesting media people so tons of stuff to they're listen all great to. Go to iTunes, find it, listen to it, or don't, but just make sure you give it five stars. That's a key to this experience for us. Um, and uh, leave us comments and talk to us. And we'll we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot, Walt. Thanks a lot, Nilo. 